Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting-edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, that's good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips and Happy New Year. This is your host, James P. Friel. I am thrilled that you guys are here with us celebrating 2020. Incredibly hard to believe that we are entering a new decade. And I have none other than the one, the only, the bearded wonder from the United Kingdom, Mr. Dean Holland, to ring in the new year with me. Welcome to the show, Dean. Yes. Whoa, a new year. A new decade, but still the same damn you. I was kind of hoping I'd turn up today and like, oh, all my dreams have come true. My New Year wishes, you had been replaced. But nonetheless, here we are. You know what? This just made my insides shrivel and feel like you don't even care. Like that's like, you just took the wind right out of my cells. New Year, and now it's the same, Dean. Whatever. <laughs> New Year, same bullshit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Well, Happy New Year to you, my friend. Happy New Year to you too. How are you doing, James? How how was things lately? Excellent. I like the time between kind of Christmas and New Year's because it's an incredibly good time to reflect and say what worked well in the previous year. And where did I find like incredible amounts of satisfaction? Mm. Where did I find that there's things that I would love to continue doing? And also, what do I want to change? Right? What are the new things right. that I want to do? And some of the things that didn't work well that I'd like to, you know, kind of adjust and modify. And so I thought, you know, maybe it'd be cool for us to talk a little bit about our own mm. process for, you know, kind of starting a new year for everybody and help them get 2020 off on the right foot. Yes, yeah, I I love the sound of that. I do think this is one of my uh, it's one of my favorite times a year because I think it, it is that time where you've you've had that downtime. You've had you know maybe you've you've had a great time of Christmas, New Year, and you've reflected. And I think sometimes just taking that downtime allows you to sort of naturally reflect. And some of my biggest epiphanies come in those moments. And so I remember us doing this show a year ago, and I remember saying 2019 was committed to being my year of simplicity. Yes, I remember that. Do you remember that? And I look back yeah. now and I'm like, huh, well, I got that wrong, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I? I definitely fell off track. I failed to course correct that one along the way, it seems. <laughs> what uh, What do you think it was replaced with? How did that happen for you? Uh, I think it was replaced with too much complexity, maybe trying to accomplish too much in a short period of time. And I do think like, do you think a year is a short period of time? Like, I can't believe how fast it goes. Like, I literally can remember our show last year talking about this. And I, yeah, it literally I, seems like not that long ago, but it's all year. Yeah, no, it's, it's incredible. You know, time is very relative, right? You know, sometimes if you're doing something that you don't want to do, like an hour can feel like an eternity. And then when you're focused and you're busy and you're making things happen, an entire year can feel like the snap of a finger. So it's it's just kind of crazy. So I think it just all depends on your perspective. But what I do recognize is for most people, and this is definitely true for myself, 
planning for an entire year is very challenging. You know, when you get farther out, everything becomes a little bit more blurry and you idealize things and you don't take into account, you know, all the things that could go wrong or all the right. all the things that could go right that cause you to change direction. And so I think the concept of, you know, having annual goals is great, but having a, you know, kind of fully baked and vetted annual plan is sort of unrealistic. Yeah, I agree. And I think you've just raised something there that, you know, as I reflect over the last year, that is where things went wrong for me. So many unforeseen instances took place. You know, one of the major things that I was accomplishing over uh, 2019 was actually writing my book. And some of the disasters that went wrong with that along the way, I could have never predicted, like not in a million years. So whilst, you know, like you say, you can set these far out goals and be like, okay, this is going to happen by then. That's the goal by that month. And this is going to happen there. One thing in that plan goes wrong. It can throw out the whole plan, can't it? Mm-hmm. And it can. And I think that's what happens when our expectations and our plans are too rigid. We wind up being like, oh man, like everything got thrown off. And so there's one of the lessons that I'm continuing to learn and incorporate into everything that I'm doing is there's got to be a level of dynamic flexibility in planning, right? And there has to be slack built into your plans for the unknown, right? Because there's right. reality comes at us. And we don't know everything that's going to happen. And so if we build a plan that causes us to get thrown off our game when anything that we didn't expect happens, then we're always going to be thrown off of our game, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's so incredibly important to expect and plan for the unexpected, control what you can, but also recognize and plan that unexpected things are going to happen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because they do. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they always do. <laughs> they always do. And I and I think that's I don't think that's a sign that there's something wrong. I think it's a sign that there's a lot of things going on and probably a lot of things going on that are right. We don't have the ability to anticipate everything. And so it's unrealistic to think that. And so from my perspective, you know, and knowing some of the things that you accomplished over the, the you know, twenty nineteen, maybe it didn't kind of fulfill that spirit of simplicity to the letter, but you right. did get your book out, which is amazing. Yeah. Right? It's not, it's done. <laughs> not done. Mine's not done. Once our uh, Don King promoter instigator, <laughs> Ken, left the scene, I lost all momentum on my book. <laughs> this is a 2020 call out for Ken. Ken, where are you, Ken? <laughs> Attention, Ken. Please come to the front counter. <laughs> <laughs> we have two unpublished authors awaiting for you at the Lost and Found. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like a, a thing to look back on and say, okay, what well, what went right? And going through this exercise with my team right now, where we get, you know, especially on our quarterly and our monthly planning calls, we start the call by saying, okay, looking back on this time period that we're addressing, which is, you know, a month or a quarter, or in this case, you know, 2019. What are the things that went right? Like, what do we have to celebrate? What are we proud of? And really getting those things out on the table because one thing I know is 100% true for me. And I've seen it in other entrepreneurs who are moving fast is we don't take enough time to recognize the things that we did. We criticize and find fault and problems with the things that we didn't do or the things that went wrong. Mm -hmm. 
And there's a time and place for optimization and improvement. But I think there's just a lot to be said from coming at this this reflection from a point of gratitude and uh, celebration of what actually went right. Right. And so that's why right now I'm kind of picking on you in this like, well, yeah, you know, maybe a million things went wrong while you were getting your book out the door, but you got your book out the door and left about 48 copies at my house, which I'm still finding in closets and everywhere else. That's also why I know for sure you got your book done. <laughs> James is like, I'm just looking in the uh, the back garden. Maybe we should plant a few new trees. Starts digging. Oh, there's another book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of my things that I'm celebrating for the end of 2019 is I think I've cleared out most of the books that you've hidden. <laughs> That's what you think. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is what I think. Uh, somebody will move into this house years from now and be like, who the hell is this Dean Holland? And what's his iceberg effect all about? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's amazing. But yeah, I, I think uh I think that's a really good point. I think it's easy to sit back and say, okay, another year's gone by. Where did we get it wrong? Like <laughs> but like, yeah, I like the approach more. Like not ignoring that, but what did we get right? What did go good? You know, and how can yeah. we amplify the good over the next year, maybe? And that's it, right? It's we all have a tendency to want to improve our weaknesses, which I think is is good. But most of the time, we're going to make the biggest strides when we're focusing on our strengths and we're doubling down on the things that are working. Right. Where did that thinking process come from? That's come about, That's crossed my path sometime recently where it's like, maybe it was just something on social media or a book or something where somebody was saying, or I read about somebody saying like, from a young age, we're always taught to improve where we're weak. You know, you're at school and it's like, oh, you don't excel in this area. So what you need to do is do some after school tutoring or lessons to improve it. This thing, I I really have no idea of where this came from or where I saw this. But someone was like, imagine if you spent all that time instead on what you are good at and made it great. Like so many times we're focused on where we're weakest and trying to strengthen that to get it to be maybe good or average. What if you focused on what you're already good or great at and made it the damn best? Yes, it's exactly what I'm saying. And I think that's I think that's important on so many different levels. It's important on a personal level, you know, to know where am I really good at things? Cause because each one of us has a superpower or a handful, right? Of things that we're just right. When we do them, we're in the zone, we're in flow, we get great results. It doesn't feel like hard work, and mm. yet the result is really good. And right. then we have things where we can just put in so much effort and so much time and we don't get the outcome that we're looking for. And we spend a considerable amount of time trying to take those things that we suck at and turn them into our strengths. When I think if you double down on your strengths and mitigate your weaknesses, like so they're not you know causing you a bunch of issues, maybe you're never going to be great at them, but maybe you can be not quite as bad. And then yeah. focusing more of your time and energy on what you're good at. So like on a personal level, but then when you're building a team and you're working inside of your business, you've got to be careful that you're not trying to cause everybody to focus on their weaknesses and and, and you're allowing people to focus on their strengths and build something that is the unique combination of all people playing to their strengths that like the puzzle fits together properly. And when I talk with so many entrepreneurs who are building their businesses and building their teams, sometimes the biggest difference that they can make is just allowing everybody to stay in their zone of genius. And somebody's zone of genius 
complements your weakness very, very well. And learning to identify that and leverage that fact becomes enormously helpful. Yeah, I think that's such a different way. And I think this is one of the things, like like we say, you have that drilled into you from a young age, don't you? It's like, oh, you you suck at reading. You should spend an hour a day every day reading. Like, oh, you you suck at doing this. Spend all your time on that thing. Like, well, hang on a minute. What about what I'm great at? Why don't I develop that? <laughs> yeah. This approach of like taking that time to reflect and be like, this is what we didn't get right. This is what we did. If you had, uh, let's take me in my situation, right? I'd love to hear your input on this. Got a small team. We, you know, we get together routinely and we're reviewing things, things like this. In this sort of approach, should that thought process of here's what we got right last year, here's what we didn't, et cetera, et cetera, should that come just from the CEO or should that come from each individual? Should everybody on the team What's your thoughts on everybody on the team having input onto this is what I think we got wrong last year. This is what I think we got right. What do you think about that? Should that come from one person or input from everyone? I 100% get input from everybody. That's the benefit of having multiple people. If you only have one person who's doing the thinking, then the rest of them are you know, maybe there for execution and getting things done, but you're not fully capitalizing on the capability that you have as a leader if you're not allowing other people to think and contribute. And so, you know, in the in this conversation, one of the things that we do is we give out the questions that we're going to want people to think about in advance of the conversation. Right. So going into our annual planning meeting, everybody gets the questions, okay, how do you think we did achieving our goals last year? Whether that's a year or like I said earlier, it's a quarter or even a month, how do you think that we did? What do you think that we did really well? And what do you think held us back? And what do you think that we could be doing more of or less of in this next planning cycle? And so I want to hear everybody's contribution to that because I firmly believe that I am not the smartest person for everything, right? I might be good at one or two things, but other people are good at the other things. And so I want to hear all these, all these other perspectives from everybody else. And not only does it strengthen an organization and a team in terms of like the actual thought process, but it also bonds people together when they feel like they have a voice and an opportunity to contribute towards the growth that the company wants to have. Right. Do you, as the CEO, do you give feedback on what they say or do you take it on board and almost thank them for their input on that? Or like, what do you do with what they say? I guess I'm interested to hear. It's very conversational. My outcome is that we have a healthy debate and we come to a conclusion that we all buy into. Mm. And generally speaking, that will happen 90% of the time. 10% of the time, there might still be some level of disagreement, but it's usually disagreement about some of the finer points. And, and in these cases, you know, I'm interested in painting in broad strokes and making sure that we're directionally moving in the right direction. Right. I love that. You know what's funny though when you ask that question, I think there was a period of time, this also is, you know, my own personal evolution. Sure. As a leader and a, and a CEO and as it and is all the role, my friend. Yeah, and but I think there was a point in time where I believe that I did ha- I had to have the answer. And that very belief was what cut off this type of communication and actually slowed us down. Changing that and not feeling less than or threatened by the perspectives of other people, but actually welcoming 
that feedback mm. was not only very personally liberating because it enabled me to get more out of other people and not have to do all the heavy lifting myself, but I think it created a much more cohesive team environment that has been outstanding for everybody who's on my team. Definitely. I could definitely say from my perspective as well, having that ability to be that way as the CEO is also going to foster a better long-term ongoing working relationship with your team, right? Because you can definitely, if you're the one that always have to, you have to have the answer, you have to have the final say, you have to be the one that's doing everything or making every answer, you're going to end up in an environment. And I've been there where everybody on your team feels they have to come to you in order to get the confirmation to make any little decision for themselves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's exhausting. That's exhausting for everybody involved. Right. 100%. So I, th- I think that is a huge for me, just hearing you say that and just thinking about that environment and being in that environment with my team and everyone having, I love what you said about, I give them that in advanced so they can come prepared. They can have a think about it. I think one of the things that I'm, I'm willing to say that, you know, just hearing you say that, I'm like, huh, I will often say to my team, like, we'll go into a meeting and I kind of put them on the spot and I can tell that given a day or 24 hours to have considered that, they probably would have came with something super valuable But because I've almost like pinned them into the corner and be like, I need an answer on this now. You didn't even know I was about to say it. Probably isn't the best way to do it. (laughs) You know, also to just look at that a slightly different way is, you know, sometimes there's not going to be time to prepare. That's more the case if there's, you know, an an emergency or something urgent or uh, a crisis of some kind, Mm. you know, the time to prepare is going to be a lot more limited. But in cases of strategic planning activities, then by their very nature, it makes sense to have time to prepare because you want people to think through you know, different alternatives and come with their best thinking. And so it's amazing what letting people know what you're going to be talking about specifically and what you want from them will do because then they will come ready to talk about those things. And so it's definitely something that you know we continue to do and drive that point home harder and harder and harder, the results are extremely valuable. Yeah, definitely. I agree. <laughs> how would you like to break that rule now out of interest? Because we didn't talk about this. Like, How about you and I share something we did well in 2019 and something maybe not so well? You, like, you want to do that? Yeah, let's do it. And let's do this. And hopefully for you guys that are listening, this becomes a, you know, a template, not a prescription for how to do it, but a template for the type of conversation that you should be having after a period of time, whether it is a year or it's a quarter or it's a month. And I've even gotten to the point where you know, I'm doing daily wrap-up and weekly wrap-up because there's so much that happens in these periods of time. And if we don't harvest what's going on and make the most use of it, then we're leaving a lot on the table. So I'd, l- I'd love to do it, Dean. Oh, nice. Well, uh, who wants to begin? I'll go. I think there's a couple big things business-wise. So first of all, there's three areas that I consistently focus on. And if you find these useful, then I, I recommend that you adopt these, right? So so the first one is energy, you know, which has to do with, you know, health and fitness and you know, mental health and and all those things. There's work, which is, you know, predominantly what we typically talk about here. And that has to do with business and you know, creating financial impact and and things like that. And then love is the other area, which has to do with you know your your relationships, your friends, your family, mm. your significant other, and all those things. And so when I'm looking at things, I'm always looking at things in one of those three categories. Right. And 
you know, for me, I'm looking at the goals and ambitions that I have in each one of those areas. And so I think one of the things that is very positive out of the, the previous year was having a really deliberate focus and intention on each one of those areas. Sometimes it's easy to just say, oh, well, I want to make you know X amount of dollars in my business or I want to you want to do this, but you're not just a robot, right? You know, you have other needs, right? You're a human being. And so you have this need for, you know, making sure you're taking care of yourself. And you have a need to have, you know, relationships. Human beings are social creatures. And so I think one of the big wins for me was having a much clearer focus in 2019 than I think any other previous year on those three areas. And that was really huge. And then, you know, specifically on a work topic, there were a few big wins. And no, I didn't get the book done, although that's on my list for 2020. I created my first info products. Yeah, you did. And that's like going really well. And it's creating an incredible result for our business, but an incredible result for you know everybody who's going through those info products. And so I feel uh, super proud of that, super proud of my team for helping me pull all those pieces and parts together. That's been absolutely huge. I refuse to not allow you to plug that product right now. Okay. It's hiring like a boss. And you can find it at jamespfreel.com forward slash hiring. It is absolutely outstanding. If you're looking to hire people, if you need to let people go and have difficult conversations. And then there's also another product, Managing Like a Boss, which is about you know managing your entire team, making sure that you're being the leader that you know you can be and getting the most out of people and, and causing them to show up to work completely on purpose and on fire. There you go. There is not much better you could, if you got a team or growing a team, like I, I can say, I've, I've been in the course, I've, I've been a part of your world uh, now, like everybody should definitely start the year out going through that. It's a must. There's a must. There well, thank you. I'm not going to say I, nice about you because I think I've already made myself vomit in my mouth just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. All right. So what about you? So what's one thing that you feel proud of that you want to celebrate for 2019? I think I've got to say the book. There is a few things I could say. There was, there was almost like two things on my mind there. One is more selfish saying the book just because it was so unbelievably challenging. Writing a book for me was challenging. I am not, you know, like we spoke about, like develop your strengths, not your weaknesses, <laughs> like that approach. Like I've never been great at writing, like because mm. I'm a solution focused individual. I can take this all the way back to being at high school. Like they always used to tell me I can't write very well because I'm good at math more and I just problem solution. So I could never write a story because I just went from beginning to end. There was never a middle piece. So that in itself was just incredibly difficult for me. Still now, I'm like, I, I just hope people, like, I don't know what anyone thinks of this, but the feedback's been amazing. So clearly it must be okay. So, and then there was all the, uh, like just the logistical challenges. We decided to set up, because of the world that Amazon has fostered for us, we, everybody wants the, the thing they order now. <laughs> With any of our physical items, we used to have like one main distribution place from in the U.S., and that meant that anybody in the UK would take maybe two weeks, sometimes three to reach them. Some places in the world, like a month or more. It was like, not good. So we actually decided because we wanted this to be great, that we would set up a minimum of two distributions. So we have one in Europe and one in the US. But the logistic, we printed the books in the UK, and then we had to ship them in mass quantity from the UK to the other distribution. And it just ended like that was just a nightmare. And we, oh, just so many different problems. But nonetheless, 
we did it and we got it out there and and it's now you know getting into the hands of thousands of people and it's just uh that's just that just has to be a huge win it, it really does and it, and it's now there and it's it's our primary front end offer that brings buyers into the business and that to me i'm just i'm just hugely proud for myself that i did it i i didn't think i could ever have a moment where i say i published a book <laughs> but there it is with my name on it even Russell Brunson wrote the foreword and endorsed the book as something that everybody should read and just, ah, just incredible, really. Now, the non, not not just thinking about my own personal win, the other one would have to be... Wait, 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 wait. Before you get to that, oh, go where on. can people go and find the book? Oh, good question. So that's uh, icebergeffect.com. So I, I will just nice. preempt this and say like, because I know we've got a variety of listeners in all different stages. Like the book is written predominantly for people that have an interest in affiliate marketing, like to do affiliate marketing. But I honestly think like, because I detail essentially my business model in there, I think anybody could learn something great. So I'd love all of our listeners just to pick up a copy. It is free. You just cover a pathetically small shipping and handling. And like, I I would just (laughs) love all the listeners to get one. You'll, you'll, you'll hear things about me and stories about me that, uh, You've never heard me talk about. So even if on that basis, you want to know more about me, I think you'll love it. And if you don't want to buy it from Dean's Funnel, you can just send me a message and I'll let go of some of the (laughs) giant surplus and inventory that he left behind at my house. Right. I mean, you're making more money off my books than I am. I'm giving them away. I know. As as I should be. Like the storage costs that I have incurred (laughs) because of how many books I have is absolutely ridiculous. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's a privilege, my friend, a privilege. (laughs) Yes, a privilege. So, okay, okay. So that's the first question. And and so you guys following, these will be in the show notes, but the four questions really that you can use to guide yourself through this process, Mm. even if you're doing it on your own, is what went really well and what am I proud of from the last time period? And the second question we're going to talk about is what could have been better? The third question is what do we need to do more of? And the last question, surprisingly, is what should we do less of, right? And if you ask yourself those four questions, you really get zeroed in on a great way of reflecting and thinking about and planning for the future. So I love that. Question two, what could have been better for me is more consistent social media content creation and publishing. It's one of the areas that we are committed to doing more of in 2020. And it was definitely one of the areas that we could have done better in 2019. So for me, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. It's very cut and dry. You know, it's a broad topic. There's a lot of pieces that go into that. But I know that if we do that, we will amplify the results that we're creating for other people. And it's time to make that happen. Right. Just a bit of devil's advocate here, just to give you some feedback as a friend on that. I can understand why you're saying that could be better because uh, like it can. But I would also say that like, I also want to tell you from my perspective on the receiving end that I also think that you did do very well in that area because I don't think, you know, if we were having this conversation a year ago, I think your social media presence would have been pretty much non-existent. I don't think I'm being insulting saying that. You, you really stayed away from that, right? I hadn't really gotten into it. And I think I had a hard time really understanding the value and the return on investment from the time and the effort and the energy. We've been moving in that direction. I think one of the the things that we did do well in 2019 was figure out a lot of our strategy and the pieces and parts and how we want that whole thing to work. I appreciate your, your feedback and I agree with you. I definitely think that 2019 was better than 2018. 
And in learning all the things that we learned in 2019, I think we're in a position to make 2020 remarkable, which is what we're aiming to do. Oh, crap. Does this mean we're all going to see more of you? Sadly. Oh, Oh, man. God, way to push me off social media, huh? Yeah, basically. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do this for everybody else so they don't have to see you. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like if I could, if I could, you know, kind of monopolize everyone's newsfeed, <laughs> then there's a good chance they don't have to see you, and everyone's going to be happy about that. <laughs> so I just became your driving force to producing more content to try and eradicate much. me from the internet. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to say it, but you kind of, you know, you you forced my hand, and so there you go. Now, now you know why I'm doing this. There we go. There we go. I'm poised to vanish. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, but no, great point. I think on my side, I feel I got a lot wrong, actually, or a lot could have been better in 2019. So to pull out kind of the uh, one of the things that I think actually caused the biggest setbacks, I would say it was a failure to identify when I'd made a wrong turn soon enough. Yeah. We actually, in 2019, we made some quite significant To our core program, we made some quite significant pricing and structural changes around the pricing. And I was that headstrong on this is what we have to do. This is what we are doing that I ignored what seemingly in hindsight were very clear signals that it wasn't working. The move, the changes that I'd made had caused pretty significant harm to revenue. And I didn't see it. I didn't see it for a long, long time and actually did identify it by pure accident. I was away on my honeymoon and it was stepping away from the business for a week. I was sat by the pool. All of a sudden, it literally like it just hit me. I'm like, crap, this is what I have to go home and change. I've messed up. That is something that I'm going to be very consciously aware of for the future, not to be afraid of. I'm not going to be afraid to make changes or test and try new things. And that's what I've, I'm very willing to take risks in that area. But I think what I've got to become better at is to change if it's not working and not to be egotistical in a sense of every move I make, not that I think this, but I think there may be an element of like not wanting to admit I got it wrong or not taking the time to step back and say, was that the right move? And and if it wasn't, be willing to accept that, admit that it was wrong and make a change. There was a period of several months where I didn't make that observation. And I think that's going to serve me very well going forwards because I'm not going to be afraid to test things and try new things, but I'm sure as heck not going to be oblivious to what actually happens after I do. You know, first of all, you recognized it, which is important to recognize that you had that. But one of the biggest reasons why I am becoming more and more of an advocate of this reflection slash planning conversation with these questions Mm. is because it gives us the opportunity for more course correction as we go, right? And if you're consistently asking yourself, what's going well? What needs improvement? What do we need to do more of? What do we need to do less of? If you're asking yourself that on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, a quarterly basis, the opportunity to let things go too far, you limit the risk of that. This whole planning cycle is not just, you know, so we could get some, you know, some ideas and some numbers down on paper. It's really so that we are actively engaged participants in the creation of our goals and our outcomes. And unless you're able to calibrate and recalibrate and recalibrate, you don't give yourself that opportunity. You know, it's just the same as the, you know, the old analogy 
plane flying from New York to Los Angeles is off course 95% of the flight. And if they weren't, you know, saying, okay, where are we? Are we need to get back on course? Where are we need to get back on course? You know, that flight from New York to LA might wind up in Seattle, which is a completely different destination. Like if you're only checking in with yourself, you know, once every God knows how long, then you really rob yourself of the opportunity to learn, assimilate, incorporate things faster and faster. And so, you know, when I hear you talking about that, I hear, yes, you know, there were some things that could have been avoided potentially, or, you know, losses could have been cut sooner. But it's also an, in- an incredible learning opportunity to say, well, you know, having this kind of planning cycle and reflection cycle can make a world of difference in how long you let something go before you should correct and adjust it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, this session has done me some good. I don't know about you, don't know about the listeners, but I've enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah, awesome. So listen, we've got to wrap up here, but I would strongly encourage you. This is, you know, everybody's going to set New Year's resolutions and I could talk about why I don't like New Year's resolutions for hours, most likely. Yeah, I could talk but about one like you for hours as well. But uh, <laughs> Good. You could do that show on your own. And then <laughs> maybe you and Ramasio can do it together. <laughs> but please, please take a few minutes, even if it's by yourself. And if you do have a team, encourage your team to answer these questions. What went really well and what are we proud of? What needs improvement and we could do better at? What do we want to do more of? And what do we want to do less of? And use those questions at the beginning of the year right now to really help you get clarity and focus as you move into this new year. I mean, it's a new year. It's a new decade. There's so much to be excited about, you know, just ridiculous amounts of opportunity out there. And if you stay focused using these questions, I promise you, you'll be able to make course corrections and adjustments way faster and get what you want way sooner. So any uh, any parting shots from you, Dean Holland? Well, I would just say... Uh... Definitely do what you just said there. But uh, above all, like, welcome to a new year, everybody. Like, let's yes. make it count. You know, these years do fly by. I can't believe we're having another one of these shows. But it's incredible. And uh, I can't wait for another New Year show. But it's what we make happen in between those times, isn't it? It's what we make, what we do and how we make it count. So I'm excited. And I'm excited to uh, put out more of these shows and share more about our journey as we go forwards, James. That's if I don't get too irritated by you. I I don't know if I can make another year with you, to be honest, but uh, I'll try. I'll try my best. Do your best. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in today. We appreciate you listening. Make sure you leave us a review. Tell your friends, your family about us. And we will talk with you guys on the next episode. Later, everybody. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipsshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to go from being a hustling entrepreneur to an effective CEO, capable of running your company without being stuck in the day-to-day, visit me for free training and resources at jamesbfreel.com. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.